Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Yes, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. Taking around the globe, one queer story at a time. And here we are in our new time slot of 6pm on Tuesday nights, part of Joy's new uh, block of 6pm shows that are coming to you very soon with the new sport and current affairs hour to uh, take you home each weekday. I'm Matt and we are live from the Joy Studios in the amazing Victorian Pride Centre and I'm joined tonight by Alex. Good evening. As 2021 comes to an end, you might be heaving a huge sigh of relief and we don't know yet what to expect in 2022. One thing we can guarantee is that Joy will continue to bring you the diverse stories of the rainbow community from around the world in all its pain, inspiration, dare I say, joy. So tonight we thought we would bring you a few of our favourite shows and guests from 2021, and it was a hard choice. Uh, From Turkey to Jamaica, Russia to Bermuda, we have covered all points of the globe. But before we settled on... How street walking and public kissing are challenging views on LGBT people in the Dominican Republic... We speak with Lithuania's first openly gay member of parliament about his plans for law changes. And hear an openly queer Palestinian singer who is a rare voice of tolerance in the Middle East. And here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. Gay men have been incredibly critical in the fight against HIV on the island. It's because of gay men that I think that the general population has access to HIV medications because of all the advocacy and all the hard work that gay men did to get HIV on the map and to say, no, this is not just something that affects us, this affects everybody. And so really putting themselves out there in terms of legislation and political activism. And tonight, as we're doing our best of 21, we thought we'd ask you what your best of 2021 is. We know, yes, it's been a, a tough year as, uh, as 2020 was, but there's got to be some good things in there. Send us your messages. What's your best of 2021? Perhaps it was that, uh, that release point when we came out of lockdown the, the, the last time there. Possibly just covering Melbourne's parks because many people were forced to do Yeah, you know, the whole fitness thing. outside. I certainly did. Um, maybe, or maybe it was, uh, you know, Friday night at circuit. Yes. <laughs> 
For centuries, the influence of the church reached into every part of daily life in the Dominican Republic, and that means it has a heavy influence on the progress of basic LGBTQ rights. That influence also extends to the police force, where you cannot be a police officer if you're a member of the LGBT community. Anna Marine uh, Lara is the author of a book, Street Walking LGBTQ Lives and Protest in the Dominican Republic. Anna Marine has raised her concerns at the ease with which anyone who offends so-called public morality can be reported to the police for even the most minor of incidents, such as holding hands in public. We asked Anna Marine if there was any recourse legally for LGBTQ people for these reported breaches of morality. No, and um, I mean, we have a non-discrimination clause in the Constitution, and there are laws that protect young gay people, young people like, so the laws that do protect LGBT people are encoded in the youth laws and that say that, you know, you can't necessarily be arrested for holding hands if you're the same sex couple. But that doesn't translate into what actually happens, right? So police will will arrest people who kiss in public, who hold hands in public, right? And so a lot of the activism by LGBT activists has been kissins, where people kiss in public and people hold hands in public, right? As a way of protesting the harassment they get from the cops. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. Like, you don't generally have recourse. You can't generally call the police and, and say, you know, I'm being thrown out of my house because my mom worked on that I'm gay, you can't even be gay as a police officer, right? So like there, there are all of these dimensions um, that make it really hard. And really the ways in which people navigate this are all based on personal relationships, right? So people work really hard to develop personal relationships that are meaningful as a way to protect themselves and protect the people they love, you know? And family becomes really important in that because if anyone can protect you, your family can right? The police aren't going to protect you. The police aren't going to protect most people, especially if you're poor, if you're dark-skinned, or if you're LGBTQ. So um, there's definitely no protections for employment discrimination. I mean, to even be employed as a woman, right? For me as a woman, like most ads you'll see, like for a lot of companies will be a woman of good presence between ages 18 to 38. And she, you know, generally, if she's black, her hair has to be straightened. She has to present extremely femininely and wear makeup and, you know, basically conform to like a very tight definition of womanhood. Wow. <laughs> for, for the LGBT community, is there any degree of visibility um, either at that personal level of people coming out or in the media? And in, in the media, is it always negative? Well, I mean, that's something that the LGBTQ collectivity and community seeks to really undo is the constant negativity, right? Or this idea that somehow the Dominican Republic is exceptionally homophobic and transphobic, right? Like it's not exceptionally homophobic or transphobic at all. Like I I think it's fair to say that LGBTQ people across the world, we deal with discrimination. It's just the difference is that we don't, in the DR, we don't have all the laws in place to protect us, right? And so, you know, we can't even talk about marriage because we still don't have we still don't have some basic protections, but we've had amazing activists. So since 2001, there have been public uh, yearly pride events, right? So the first time it was like people gathering in a public plaza just to be together and to make a statement. And then like last, you know, before the pandemic in 2019, it was like this huge parade with like thousands of people and musicians and artists coming out in support 
of LGBTQ people. So, you know, there, there is that kind of global pride event that happens in the DR that's about celebrating pride in queerness and pride. You know, there's always a trans queen, a transgender queen and a transgender king, right? Like also like celebrating the spectrum of our communities. Um, and then we've had people who've run as political, like for political positions, district representatives who are out. Um, we've had people who've come out on television, right? Uh, attempting to open a dialogue and a space since 2001. We've had uh, lesbian activists since the 1980s have published journals and zines and, you know, and, and things that they share to create spaces for women to like speak with each other. Um, gay men have been incredibly critical in the fight against HIV on the island. It's because of gay men that I think that the general population has access to HIV medications because of all the advocacy and all the hard work that gay men did to get HIV on the map and to say, no, this is not just something that affects us, this affects everybody. And so really putting themselves out there in terms of legislation and political activism, um, also fighting for like, expanding rights, uh, attempting to expand rights for young people in education, right? So to protect young people in schools, that's a fight that's been going on. You know, there's currently a struggle to um, get protections around gender identity, for example. And right now, there's a lot of work that's happening just around redefining what human rights means in the local context. I mean, there is a lot of work that happens. There's a lot of incredible work that happens. It's really positive, really really amazing. It, it feeds nicely into your book. So advocacy, uh, the, the book is called Streetwalking, LGBTQ Lives and Protests in the Dominican Republic. What is streetwalking? <laughs> well, it's everything you imagine it to be and more. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in that book, I'm theorizing this idea that at any point, any of us can be any of us can be subjected to the violence of the, of the Christian colonial state. So in one moment, we can be walking down the street and, you know, we're living our lives. And then the next moment, because we hold our partner's hand or we kiss our partner or because something like figures us as different, right? It's not fitting in with that Christian colonial ideal of manhood of womanhood and of heterosexuality. Then we become objectified or, or our position, our subject changes, right, in the public space. Um, but streetwalking is also the process, is the, is the brilliance and the beauty of LGBTQ people who take up space in public and who refuse to back down from, from who we are, right? Like we, uh, in my case, you know, like we, and by we, I'm including myself, like who say, I refuse to conform, right? I refuse to I refuse to deny my truth. And in that, in that agency and in that power of self-acceptance and self-love and recognition of myself and the other, I'm going to take up space in the street and I am going to make home in the street and I am going to insist on relationship with you and I'm going to insist on our capacity to connect on a human level. The street walking refers to those two dynamics, the dynamics of like at any point, any of us could be configured as a street walker in the full sense of the term. And then the agentive practices of LGBTQ peoples, you know, in particular, the ways in which we flip the script, right? We turn the meaning out, we, we, we re-signify, we, we change the meaning of interactions, you know, um, 
where we confront the violence we experience and we say no, like I don't accept you name calling me, you know, where where we say something out loud about police harassing us in public and where we gather and form collectivities. It's all of that. That's Anna Marine Lara, author of the book Streetwalking, LGBTQ Lives and Protest in the Dominican Republic, with us on Joy 94.9. Coming up, we hear from a changemaker, Lithuania's first openly queer parliamentarian. This is World Wide Wave. Turn us on all summer long. Hi, my name is Kenneth. I'm from LGB Denmark. You're hearing me on the World Wide Wave. We did put the call out to you for your best of 2021. Um, Alex, what's your best of? It's a toughie because <laughs> there weren't arguably <laughs> a lot of highlights. I mean, obviously, yeah, I actually did get to enjoy the parks in Melbourne. I really, really discovered Royal Park near where I live in West Melbourne. Um, so that routine was helpful. It's not really a highlight. But look, I did get to the Queer Film Festival and the Comedy Festival. Yes. In their brief little windows. That um, uh, both the touch of normality. Part, yes. Wonderful, so. wonderful. What's your best of 2021? Celebrate with us. Now, tonight we are bringing you the best of some of our shows. Lithuania was one such show. Same-sex relations in Lithuania uh, although, uh, are legal, although negative attitudes towards LGBT people uh, remain. Change is slow, but there are positive signs. In this year's election, the Freedom Party elected Thomas Ratskovicius as the first openly LGBTI member of parliament. Uh, and his party ran on a key platform supporting the LGBTI community. The party that actually won needed to form a coalition and the support of the Freedom Party has come with strings and those strings are a partnership bill providing legal protections and rights for LGBTI couples. It must be introduced into the parliament. We asked Thomas to tell us more about the bill that he is introducing and what challenges might arise. So Lithuania is quite in a peculiar legal situation now because we are a member of the European Union and at the moment there are only six countries left in the EU without any legal recognition for same-sex couples. Unfortunately, Lithuania is uh, one, one among one of them and I think uh, the bill is about to fix this situation. So now we are working on the draft bill amending our civil code allowing the Institute of Registered Partnerships both for same-sex and different sex couples. And of course there are certain sensitivities uh, surrounding this, uh, especially among the conservative wing of the politicians, if we can say so, uh, because uh, some of them still, still talk about the holy status of marriage in the society uh, but uh, we have to be very realistic and we have to face uh, social challenges facing unmarried couples, both same-sex couples and different sex couples in Lithuania. And I'm really hopeful that this legal framework will, will enable for them to protect their legal interests and also to gain certain recognition in our society that they deserve. Why not go straight to same-sex marriage? Tell us. Uh, that's a, yes, that's a very, very good question because uh, we have enshrined in our constitution that marriage is only between a man and a woman. And in order to change that uh, clause, we have to collect 94 votes in the parliament out of 141. And that's, we call it like qualified majority. And at the moment, unfortunately, we do not have that kind of uh, agreement among the political forces regarding this clause. 
the partnership itself as an as an alternative as a compromise it's going to be a challenge still at least this is a workable challenge that we can actually get uh, past that's what i was going to ask Ness, how much support would there be for for the partnership bill in in parliament so in order to pass the ordinary law that the, that the partnership bill would be we need at least half of the mps present so we have uh, in total we have 141 so we need at least 71 uh, but of course if some of them are absent and not present we need less so at the moment we have uh, between 50 and 60 votes in favor so we need to work out at least additional 10 ones. So there is going to be a lot of dialogue and a lot of political promises, I suppose, in order to make this happen. But, you know, for, for myself and for my political group, which is the Liberty Party, uh, LGBT equality was one of our political promises and one of our main political commitments. So this is why we actually got elected and we are going to work on it. How much public support or opposition is there for the bill? And what section of the community is the opposition coming from, if there is any? Uh, so this is quite funny because LGBT rights has become the, pol the issue that politically divides different political groups. So, for example, when we have electoral campaigns, there is always a question, what's your stance on LGBT equality? And, you know, and different parties are being ranked uh, among the political spectrum based on, on this topic. So our political group is the one that fully encompasses LGBT equality. We say, yes, we support marriage equality, but in the meanwhile, while we cannot get that, let's do another legal amendment so we can pro legally protect the community. Um, and I can say the society is very divided on this. Uh, so there are people who strongly support and who people, and there are people, and they are the ones who think that like, you know, society where everyone can be equal is the one that we should be living in. And then there is quite a hardcore opposition on the other side. It's quite uh, openly orchestrated by the Catholic Church. They refer to the, some religious sentiments. And then in between, we call it this the gray mass, the people who still don't have their very clearly uh, outspoken position, but they kind of trying to form the opinion in between the ones who support very actively and the ones who oppose very actively. So I think our main goal is to talk to ordinary people, to communicate and to very clearly point out what are the benefits and actually say that there is no cost in this. Uh, if we introduce a partnership bill, it's not going to harm anything. It's just going to make some people legally safer. And what is the role of the EU in supporting this uh, approach and you know, the partnership bill and later the, the marriage, same-sex marriage? Uh, so we know that uh, EU has some clear guidelines on LGBT equality. And uh, by the end of the last year, we adopted this quite ambitious LGBT strategy for, for the interim period. Um, but, you know... Uh, Family law and family, uh, how, uh, and family relations is quite an exclusive competence of the member states. So it's basically on this, we are on our own. The only matter that, uh, that you can regulate is free movement of citizens. So at the moment, according to the legal regime, Lefine has to legally acknowledge same-sex partnerships or marriages conducted in other EU member states only for the purposes of migration 
So same-sex couples can come and legally reside in Lithuania, but that's basically it. And uh, the role of the EU in promoting LGBT human rights is quite interesting in general, because when we are an accession country before entering the EU, before 2004, oh my, Lithuania was a gay-loving country. We passed all anti-discrimination legislation that was so easy because EU required it. And once we got it, there are no mechanisms to check. And I think that uh, between 2004 and 2012, there was quite a significant backlash regarding human rights in general. But now I think we are heading towards the opposite direction to a more progressive stance. Speaking from Lithuania, that is their first openly LGBTI member of parliament, Thomas Raskovicius, with us on JOY 94.9. Coming up on JOY, uh, we hear... Um, the words and the music of a queer Palestinian singer and activist. This is World Wide Wave. Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Take us with you anywhere. Boa noite. This is David from Brazil, listening to World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9. Now, war and conflict are synonymous with Palestine, having been occupied by Israel since 1967. Dominating daily life, there have been little. There has been sorry, um, little room to even talk about the existence of LGBT people. And when you are not like the mainstream uh, to what this conservative society sees as acceptable, that challenge reaches a whole new level. Yet there is an openly queer voice leading to leading the call for acceptance and change. Bashar Murad is a Palestinian singer, songwriter and social activist based in East Jerusalem. His music talks of societal norms, the Israeli occupation and LGBT plus rights in the Middle East. His music is rooted in social activism and he used his music to overcome the pressure from growing up um, homosexual in an occupied territory. We asked Bashar to tell us about growing up feeling different in his occupied land and a conservative society. Well, when you're born here uh, in Palestine, you're automatically born into a system of uh, occupation and oppression. And uh, since the moment you are born, you know that you're less privileged than others uh, in this uh, country which favors one people over the other. Uh, but then as I grew up, I uh, started to realize that I was different and I didn't know I was gay until much later, but I always had this feeling that there's something different. And so I felt like I had two different battles that I was fighting. One was fighting the occupation and one was the battle of uh, learning to love myself uh, uh, despite the fact that I didn't see any other role models who were queer in my community. But of course, the, you know, everything is related to the occupation, goes back to the occupation, even the fact that maybe queer topics uh, and uh, that we haven't progressed enough on queer issues uh, has a lot to do with the occupation and the fact that when you're under occupation, it limits your ability to progress and your ability to move forward socially. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's like this ba constant battle or like constant battles that I'm fighting. How accepting are Palestinian families when it comes to sexuality? Um, it's hard to really answer that because I don't like to like uh, make generalizations, but from my experience, um, 
there is a more yes conservative uh, general energy let's say um, but from my experience you know growing up we never I never heard anyone talk about uh, being gay or gays existing even in Palestine um, but as I got older um, you know it's about like this community uh, thing where one person uh, like if you meet another person who is gay uh, that will create like this community that will slowly get bigger and bigger and so when I was younger uh, I thought I was the only gay Palestinian uh, to exist but then slowly uh, I started coming out to my friends um, and creating this community of like-minded people and uh, to me that's what matters more than like making a state a blanket statement about uh, everyone. I was going to ask you you're one of the first uh, openly queer Palestinians what difference would, a, would having an openly queer Palestinian made to you growing up? Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I was younger, I was always looking for a role model or someone who I could relate to. And I couldn't really find that in um, Palestinian or Arab uh, entertainment and culture. And so I always turned to uh, Western pop culture and, uh, and looked at people like Madonna and Lady Gaga and... Freddie Mercury and all these big uh, iconic legends. Um, and yeah, it would have made all the difference in the world because I would have found out sooner that I can be myself. You know, I had to go through a lot to learn by myself that I, I could actually uh, be who I am and live happily. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a little bit about your music. How did you get into, what got you into music? Uh, so... I was really lucky because I was born into um, a musical family. My dad founded a group called Sabrin uh, in 1980. Uh, Sabrin means uh, patient ones. And uh, it was a very iconic Palestinian band. It was one of the first alternative uh, groups. And I was born into the peak of that band. So I was always uh, just like my dad would always carry me with him to the studio or to the concerts or or just like having artists and musicians around all the time. And so I was really lucky to have found a music as a tool uh, for escape and for therapy and for self-exploration from a very young age. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how I started. <laughs> and you, there's a lot of social activism in your music as well, but what came first, the social activism or the singing? No, I think the singing, uh, always. Uh, but I guess, singing i mean i don't like do it with a purpose of social activism i just feel like it comes naturally and singing was like this tool that helped me discover and explore myself and um that included like uh social issues that i explored uh, about gender equality and marriage and stuff and so it kind of automatically like came together uh, but singing, definitely. I was singing since I was like in my mom's uh, room. <laughs> and why, um, why is it important to you to use your songs to raise issues and, and talk about these issues? I think because it's hard. I mean, I live in Jerusalem and I experience, first, experience firsthand uh, what happens here. And then when I think of people in other places in Palestine who go through even more hardships than I do, 
I, I first of all, it makes me feel guilty to just go out and sing just random pop songs uh, about nothing. I feel like if I w- want to get my voice to be universally heard, I have to have this message uh, that carries where I came from with me. Um, because I know how important it is. And I, and, I, and I don't think pop, you know, just because I do pop, it doesn't mean that it's just going to be like mindless uh, dance. I'll, I'll give you dance songs, but with a little bit of like uh, brain work. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. From Palestine, that's openly queer singer and activist Bashar, uh, Bashar Murad on Joy 94.9. Want to hear more? Find out about LGBT life in over 100 countries. Download free podcasts of this show. Subscribe to iTunes or follow us on Twitter. Visit joy.org.au slash worldwidewave. Hi, this is Tara from the Fiji Women's Rights Movement on the World Wide Wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. And what a wonderful 2021 it has been here on World Wide Wave. A huge, uh, you can find all the interviews that we've had the full interviews with our guests tonight on our podcasts we've got quite a back catalogue because we've been broadcasting nearly 10 years here on joy so to anna marine lara from street walking in dominican republic lithuania's first openly lgbt member of parliament thomas raskovitsis queer palestinian singer bashar murad you can find them all on your favorite podcast platform or at joy.org.au slash worldwide wave and thank you to everyone who's interacted with us on Facebook, likes and comments throughout the year. That's W3Joy on Facebook. And behind the scenes, our podcast to Peter and social media master Dean. And uh, we look forward to a very big year for us in 2022 as we will be celebrating um, the uh, our 10th year on air and uh, we will bring you more news from all across the globe right throughout the year thanks for listening to another podcast from worldwide wave the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time worldwide wave is the international news and current affairs show on australia's lgbt radio station joy 94.9 you can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.